Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Remember, next Wednesday, August 15th at 6.30 p.m. at the Ferndale Area District Library, we're going to continue our Detroit Today Summer Book Club with a conversation about Matthew Desmond's Pulitzer Prize-winning book, Evicted, Poverty, and Profit in the American City. We are going to talk specifically in Ferndale about the effect that eviction has on children and families and education. Each of these events, we have had a slightly different focus, uh, but you can come out and talk about the book itself. We will talk about other issues of housing insecurity here in southeast Michigan and continue the conversation about uh, this wonderful book by Matthew Desmond, all building up to the end of the summer when we will have Desmond here on Detroit Today for a full hour to talk about the book and talk with listeners. Uh, And then we'll have a huge event at the Detroit Public Library as well. If you want to find out more about this book club, go to WDET.org or you can go to Facebook and search for the Detroit Today Summer Book Club. There's lots of info and a discussion going on there. Okay, up first today, tomorrow is a big day here in Michigan politics. It's primary election day. We will learn who Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians nominate for governor. John Conyers' long-held seat will ostensibly get filled. A few congressional toss-up districts will lock in their contenders, and local races throughout the region will shape what the next few years could look like for a lot of communities. So what are the big races to keep your eyes on tomorrow? And what should we read from the results that come in? We want to hear from you, especially this hour. What are you looking forward to on the ballot tomorrow, primary day? What are you looking forward to casting your vote in favor of or who uh, are you looking to, to, to vote for and why? Uh, also tell us how important it is to you to show up for primary elections, which tend to draw fewer voters, of course, than general elections do. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll try to work you into the conversation. Tell us what you're thinking 24 hours or so before you cast your vote in primary elections. And joining us now to talk about what we should all be paying attention to in advance of that election is Shana Roth. She is the Capitol reporter for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Shana, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Also with us is Jonathan Nosting. He is a political reporter at the Detroit News. Jonathan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Good morning. Yeah. So let's start with the big rallies uh, that took place over the weekend for in the gubernatorial race. We saw Bernie Sanders come into town to support Abdul El Sayed. Uh, give me uh, give me your takes on how close this race is, how close it will be tomorrow, uh, and what things we ought to be looking out for. Shana, I'll start with you. Well, I think it's going to be a very interesting race amongst on both sides. I mean, I think there are some out there who would say that Bill Schuette has already taken the primary for uh, the Republicans. However, I mean, he has been he has run into uh, some issues as of late, uh, some allegations about how he has used political uh, or how he has used his office for political funds and things like that. However, it seems as though the support behind him is very strong. He does have that Donald Trump endorsement, which is playing very well uh, among 
amongst Republican candidates. But I mean, it's it's still it's still a dogfight. You got Brian Kelly, you got Patrick Holbeck, and you got Jim Hines, who are you know kind of traveling around trying to get their names known, make it known that they are you know make their case for why they should be uh, the one to take the nomination. And then on the Democrat side, I mean, you really got Abdul El Sayed really pushing his progressive uh, bona fides to the voters and saying why he is essentially a, uh, a Bernie Sanders-esque candidate and that in making the case that he is better suited for the job than and to beat the Republican candidate than Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, El Sayed and Whitmer were both, you know, out and about holding rallies, uh, having people, you know, come out, even though it was, you know, incredibly hot outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Jonathan Osting was the one who was actually there. So I'm going to throw it to him to talk about those those events yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead jonathan yeah sure i was at uh, gretchen whitmer alley at gordon park um near boston edison neighborhood mm-hmm. in detroit and uh mayor mike duggan was there uh stumping for her u.s rep brenda lawrence was there stumping for her. kim worthy wayne county prosecutor and just a who's who of local and state uh democratic establishment politicians um and whitmer managed to draw a pretty healthy crowd about Three to 500 people at that rally might have had something to do with the free food, bouncy houses, and <laughs> pony rides, uh, but it was 90 degrees out, and she got a pretty good crowd out there. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, you know, five miles away at Kobo, um, Elsa had got a very big crowd. I mean, uh, estimates were anywhere from 1,000 to, to 1,500. Elsa had cl- campaign claimed more like 2,000. Uh, but suffice it to say, it was a pretty large and enthusiastic crowd. Now, mm-hmm. Elsa Ayed is hoping to recreate the Bernie Sanders magic from 2016 when Sanders was down in all the polls yet managed to narrowly win Michigan. Right. Uh, that's the case right now for Elsa Ayed. He's behind in the public polls, um, but he is hoping uh, to sort of create a surge, create a wave here at the last minute. And of course, we know that polls weren't that accurate in 2016 uh, in Michigan as well. Um, So, I I mean, the the dynamics are fairly similar uh, in that regard. The the difference here is that you've got a three-candidate race. Mm -hmm. Um, Sri Tanadar um, is in this thing, and he's, um, whether or not True progressives believe him. He's running on a progressive platform. He's trying to appeal to the same kind of voters as Abdul El Sayed. And especially in Detroit, he spent a lot of money um, to uh, court voters and what uh, remains, you know, the, the, the richest uh, part of the state for Democratic voters. So El Sayed uh, doesn't have a lot of room to get around Gretchen Whitmer in the way Bernie Sanders did in 2016. And uh, Gretchen Whitmer doesn't have the negatives that Hillary Clinton had in 2016 either. So, uh, um, we'll see. It's, I'm, I'm going to watch uh, with great interest. On yeah, I, I think a lot of people are, are looking very closely at the city of Detroit in that race and how well Gretchen Whitmer, who is at least seen to be uh, not as, as, as terribly popular here uh, as, as she might like to be. Uh, and then, of course, Abdul Al-Sayed, who is, who is from here and, uh, and, and worked for the city of Detroit. Uh, is there a sense that that he really is surging late uh, to try to catch Whitmer. Uh, certainly the polls earlier this summer suggested that he was pretty much out of it. Uh, is there a sense that that uh, there's a, a shift in his direction? And if so, where is that coming from? 
Certainly, that's the narrative. (laughs) His narrative, right? (laughs) Well, or the national press. Um, You know, with with Bernie coming, with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming for him in the last week, uh, the national media is portraying this as, you know, the next big battle uh, for progressives trying to take down the Democratic establishment. Um, That said, I I just mentioned some unique dynamics of this race that make it a little different than than 2016, Mm -hmm. when Bernie did manage to win here. So uh, I think, you know, uh, certainly, I think El Sayed is uh, is is you know surging right now, uh, but how big that surge is remains to be seen. Um, I I personally. Um, you know, I know Whitmer's campaign is projecting confidence still, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and <laughs> I mean, of course, they have to. And of course, El Sayed wants this narrative of the momentum because that's going to energize folks to get out and vote um, in a primary, which people don't usually do. You know, mm-hmm. primary turnout, for instance, in Detroit, the elections director is still predicting about 12 to 17 percent, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, not high it's at very all. Very low, yes. Uh, very low, but consistent with past primaries. Um, there's some hope amongst Democrats that you know, there's going to be a large turnout um, because there certainly is an energy right now. But you know, primary, you can't vote against Donald Trump. You're voting for um, your preferred candidate sure. that you've actually researched within your own party. So it's a little different dynamic than a general election protest vote. Mm-hmm. But we can say that we have had a more uh, absentee ballots coming in. So it will be interesting to see when we're talking about turnout if having an increase in absentee ballots is reflective of the race as a whole and if maybe we're going to see who knows can we get greedy and say 22 percent turnout at the during the primary i think statewide turnout could be up um Mm -hmm. but in detroit it's it's going to be relatively flat at least according to the projections i think the high absentee numbers probably help whitmer more um Mm -hmm. than anybody else in this race because she's sort of the establishment favorite and absentees uh because you can (laughs) you know uh either make up an excuse or be over 60 uh tends to be an older crowd Mm -hmm. um that uh, tends to go with more of the establishment candidate el sayed is hoping for a real uh high youth turnout um, which sanders got in 2016 and and helped Tim sort of upend polls that typically don't poll young people uh, at a very high rate because they generally don't vote in primaries. Uh, I'm curious also about on the Republican side, uh, let's talk a little bit about what chance we might assign to Brian Kelly, who is behind in the polls to, to Bill Schuette. Is he experiencing a surge, a light surge as well, or does that race seem more static? I'm not really seeing much of a surge. I think the attempts as as of late, you know, even with Governor Rick Snyder sort of uh, putting his neck out there with Callie and, and talking about uh, the things that Shooty has done with his political office, I, it, it may be too little too late for Callie to really make any sort of uh, dent in the numbers just because Shooty has consistently for months polled at, you know, just – far and above and and two i mean he's you can't underestimate the uh the loyalty of the trump supporters and just in that sort of trump uh effect and since shooty does have that endorsement uh not only from trump but from uh vice president mike pence Mm -hmm. i mean it is really something that i don't think people are going to, particularly this late in the game, say, you know what, I'm going to shift from Shooty to Cali. What could get interesting is there are still a number of undecideds. And are these undecideds either not going to vote at all, or are they going to maybe uh, sort of sprinkle out their votes among Colbeck and Hines, or are they all going to kind of decide, you know what, I like what Rick Snyder's been doing. I'm going to 
to steal Callie's phrase, continue the comeback and uh, vote for Callie. So I think where we're really going to see the interesting uh, part of that race play out is if those undecideds push themselves towards Cali, that could uh, put Shooty in danger. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guests are Shana Roth, a Capitol reporter with the Michigan Public Radio Network. Also with us is Jonathan Osting, a political reporter for the Detroit News. We're talking about Primary Day, which is tomorrow here in Michigan, where voters will make decisions in terms of who will represent the Democrats and Republicans and, for the first time, Libertarians on the gubernatorial ticket in November. Also, John Conyers' long-held seat, which has been empty since December, will ostensibly be filled. And there are a few other congressional toss-up districts, as well as lots and lots of local decisions that will be made. Uh, If you want to give us a call, join the conversation. Tell us what you're looking forward to voting on tomorrow. What are the candidates that, uh, who are the candidates who are attracting your attention and may get your support? Uh, Tell us about some of the issues maybe you're interested in taking a look at on the ballot. Also tell us how likely it is that you will show up to vote uh, tomorrow. Lots of people tend to sit out primaries here in Michigan and we get a bigger crowd coming out for the general election in November. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will try to work you into the conversation. Uh, John on Twitter says, smart bus renewal is the big issue I'm watching for. Uh, That is, of course, a huge issue here in Metro Detroit, uh, as we don't have a larger transit question that will be part of the ballot this year. That smart renewal obviously is very important to maintaining the transit network that we have. D-Town on Twitter says, I've been canvassing for weeks, and everybody I talk to says they're planning to vote. I sure hope that's true. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to Chuck in Brighton. Chuck, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm supporting Whitmer and Slotkin, and the reason why is is they both have an attitude of of, of building relationships and working together. That in any context is a strategy that gets things done. And in Michigan. We need to get things done. We don't need visions. We don't need banks here and banks there. And, and I'm also really concerned about Al-Sayed. Uh, one thing he said in the media interviews that is disturbing is that in the educational context, he won't allow, he'll make illegal any public money going to a for-profit company, which in essence will simply put every school in the state of Michigan out of business. Oh, the in charter broader, schools. In a, in a broader context, if <laughs> if you're going to make, you know, using public money for for-profit purposes illegal, what you've done is shut down everything in mm. the state. Yeah, Chuck, uh, I really appreciate the call and the comments and, and you sharing what your, what your choices will be in those instances. Uh, you're talking, of course, about Alyssa Slotkin, who is a Democrat, who is challenging uh, Mike Bishop, who is the congressperson for the 8th District here in Michigan. Uh, That's a good segue for us, uh, Shana and Jonathan, to talk about some of the congressional seats 
that are in play and uh, whether incumbents are vulnerable and who will get uh, a chance for the open seats. Let's start with talking about the 13th district, which was John Conyers' old district. A lot of people want to succeed him in Washington, a lot of people from the city, and then one person from the suburbs. How is that race going to come out? It seems like it's very close. Yeah, I think this is a wild race. I mean, you've got two sitting state senators, two former state reps. You've got Detroit City Council President Brenda Jones, and as you mentioned, Westland Mayor Bill Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, Rashida Tlaib, the former state rep from Detroit, has done very well uh, with fundraising uh, and seems to have some energy behind her. Ian Conyers has gotten some endorsements. Uh, Brenda Jones uh, is very well known. She hasn't raised much money in the race, which has, I think, surprised a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly just has a large presence and name ID in the city, which um, is often an important factor in crowded races like this. Uh, Bill Wild, the Westland mayor, is sort of a wild card as that one suburban candidate. Uh, you know, there's some uh, thought out there that if uh, all the Democrat, uh, the Detroit candidates uh, split the vote, uh, that Wild could somehow sneak through a crowded primary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the suburbs, uh, Westland, his... his um, City actually, you know, make up a, his city is one of the larger suburbs that are that are part of this congressional district. So, um, and of course, uh, you know, Coleman Young II, very well known, having just run for mayor, mm-hmm. Chanel Jackson, former state rep. Um, it's it's a tough one to predict, uh, and it's been uh, very fascinating. Yeah, go ahead, Shana. Uh, I would echo pretty much all of that. I mean, it has been very interesting to watch. I mean, it's really a race amongst. All Democrats, I don't believe there are any Republicans at this point in the race or eligible in that race. Um, you know, I think it's interesting what happened with John Conyers, um, how he, you know, he left his, the seat because of uh, sexual harassment claims. Mm-hmm. But then you had his, you know, him sort of saying, I want to bequeath this seat to my son. And then you had that son, John Conyers III, his cousin come in and say, hey, your petition signatures aren't good. I'm going to be the only Conyers on this ticket. Um, and then Ian Conyers had an interesting you know, spot on the ballot as a state senator, but then Coleman Young comes in, who is also a state senator. So there's a lot of almost Shakespearean interplays going on mm-hmm. in this race. And you know, we also got former state lawmaker Rashida Tlaib, who could be the first Muslim American woman in Congress yes. if she gets her party's nomination. And I think what is interesting about races like this, because it is all you know, one party, it is it is one of the few, well, actually, you know, one of several races where it will be decided tomorrow. Um, you know, it is not just a primary. It is mainly an election because you don't have, you know, the other side coming in here for this. So, right. you know, it will be interesting to see who the candidate will be and who will be, you know, going to Congress. And a lot can change with, you know, redistricting in 2021. Mm-hmm. But if sure. history is any guide, the person who wins this race could hold the seat for a very, very long yes, time. Yes, exactly. Right. Uh, John Conyers first elected in 1964 to Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the other races and whether we see any incumbents around the state who might be vulnerable. Mike Bishop is likely yeah. to face, I think, Alyssa Slotkin in that, in that 8th district race. He, he strikes me, though, as the only incumbent who has much of a challenge, but I, don't, I guess I don't uh, know for sure that that's true. Uh, what, what's going on in, in, in those other races? Yeah, Bishop is probably going to be the uh, 
hardest fought uh, primary or general election, sorry, mm-hmm. against the Republican. Um, you know, the, the 8th Congressional District, which includes parts of Lansing here um, and also, you know, stretches all the way to uh, Oakland County, um, is a pretty interesting district. And it's one that um, sets up favorably for Democrats in uh, a Trump midterm. So mm-hmm. Trump, uh, you know, one of his weakest, uh, some of his weakest spots are with uh, well-educated and uh, affluent voters. And you've got some of those uh, in the Oakland County portion uh, where Mike Bishop resides. Um, and Lansing, of course, has always been sort of a Democratic stronghold. Um, Livingston County is probably going to stay pretty conservative no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, that race uh, just sets up well in terms of dynamics for Democrats. And Alyssa Slotkin, who does have a primary against Chris Smith, an MSU professor here, uh, but she seems to be the heavy favorite. She's, sure. uh, you know, on paper a, a very good candidate. Uh, so um, that's going to be a fascinating one. Uh, the 11th congressional district is not an incumbent, but it's a Republican seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Dave Trott is uh, retiring at the end of this term. Um, and there are two very um, uh, hard-fought uh, primaries going on right now for the chance to, um, uh, you know, vie for that seat uh, come uh, come November. And again, just like the 8th Congressional District, that 11th District, which includes, you know, Birmingham, for instance, where yes. um, where Trot is from, uh, is affluent and well-educated. And, and, and uh, even though it's gone Republican uh, in the recent past, uh, those dynamics aren't, aren't great if there's a large anti-Trump sentiment in the general election. Yeah. What about uh, Tim Wahlberg, uh, congressperson from, boy, I won't remember the number of that district, uh, that, but uh, the seventh, uh, I, I believe it is, which which was Democratic at one point for a very short time, uh, is now Republican. Could Gretchen Driscoll give him a run for his money? Uh, possibly. I mean, it's a re- it's a rematch from two years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, Wahlberg won pretty handily, um, riding sort of a Trump wave. People thought that election would be closer than it was uh-huh. two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, it, a lot of, midterms uh, often are, are driven sort of by national sentiment, especially congressional races. Um, and if uh, dep- you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to predict how popular Trump is or isn't going to be, sure. um, uh, just because uh, the, it seems to fluctuate pretty wildly. And certainly did in mm-hmm. 2016 again, but uh, could be a factor in that race. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Phyllis and Warren. Phyllis, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you, uh, Stephen. Good morning, all. Uh, mm-hmm. My comment has to do with the primary uh, uh, and the fact that people have never considered it important. And I, I keep telling people, because this year I'm, I'm more concerned than I've ever been, I want you to vote because this is when you pick them. Don't let somebody else pick them for you. You go pick yourself. <laughs> yeah. Pick who you want. Pick whom you think might be the better candidate. Then in November you can vote for someone not just have to say, oh, boy, neither one is any good. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, this is, and, and, of course, um, I have lived through a very long time. I'm 82 years old. I tell everybody that. Mm. And I have seen the progress of women, and if it's a female, I will vote for her. Mm. I want women to start. If you're going to make mistakes, let women make them, okay? <laughs> all right. you, you guys have had the time to do it all, okay? You messed up everything already. Okay, okay <laughs> Phyllis, I appreciate uh, the call and the comments there. Uh, before we break, Shana and John, uh, just give me a quick uh, sense of the contest that you are most interested in seeing 
tomorrow. Shana, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, the one that's surprising we haven't even had time to touch on is the U.S. Senate race. Mm -hmm. You got John Mm -hmm. James versus Sandy Pensler, um, obviously. Uh, the current Democratic uh, uh, candidate, uh, Debbie Stabenow, is on, you know, she's the incumbent and nobody's running against her on the Dem side. But you got John James and Sandy Pensler kind of duking it out. And James recently got that Trump endorsement, which I think if the race ends up going to Pensler will be very indicative of how powerful that Trump endorsement really is in yeah. Michigan. Right. Um, so that is one that I will definitely be keeping an eye on. Um, And then just kind of in general, we've got a lot of the races that we've already been talking about. Um, There's not a whole lot. I mean, like the overall, I'll be keeping an eye on how the state uh, and local races kind of shape up. I think it is interesting on the local level as far as state Senate and state representative. You have a ton of Democrats running for these seats. I mean, some, you know, races have upwards of 10 uh, Democrats mm-hmm. vying to be the nominee, and it will just be interesting. Kind of once everybody calms down after the primary, is are Democrats going to rally around the candidate that has been chosen, and are we going to see that blue wave that people are uh, sure. indicating might happen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stephen. For ahead. me, obvi- yeah, obviously the the Democratic primary is going to be the race that I'm watching the closest. Um, that said, to to follow up on what the last caller just said, um, you know, because some of these congressional districts are uh, drawn in in a way that they're not highly uh, competitive between the two parties, the primary is in effect the election. So the 13th congressional district that we just talked about, a crowded race to replace John Conyers. Uh, for your listeners there in Detroit, uh, Stephen, I implore them to research these candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and vote in this primary because um, uh, it will probably decide who their next congressperson is. Mm-hmm. Uh, same could be said in races like the 9th Congressional District, most likely a Democratic district where Sander Levin is reti- retiring. Uh, his son, Andy Levin and Ellen Cogent Lipton are competing uh, in a pretty spirited primary there. So uh, a lot of fascinating things to watch. Also, a wild card, the Macomb County Clerks race yes. to replace Karen <laughs> Spranger. Right. Um, so much drama there uh, in recent months <laughs> with Karen Spranger and the election with 17 candidates has been almost as dramatic. Um, Steve Bita and Fred Miller um, really uh, in, a, in a dogfight there. Mm-hmm. Uh, should mm-hmm. be interesting to watch. Yeah. Where, where uh, can voters get more info about candidates and races? Kristen Southfield uh, is asking is asking that question. What's the what's the best source for unbiased info about these elections? Well, the Detroit News, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going right. to plug your local NPR station. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but no, I mean, the, there are a lot of voter guides out there. Sure. Um, League of Women Voters runs a good one. Yes. Um, if, if you Google Michigan Voter Guide, I'm sure you can find some good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Shana Roth, Capitol Reporter at the Michigan Public Radio Network. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. And Jonathan Osting, political reporter with the Detroit News. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Stephen. Up next, we're going to talk with the author of a new book that chronicles the Flint water crisis. Also, don't forget, if you miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out. All together, you can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We will be right back with more Detroit Today. Detroit Today.